Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what we they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, doing good. Was not on yesterday's show, but am back today. Uh yeah, certainly not the best day for either of our fan bases. But, uh, you know, that is just part of the, the, the marathon that is the MLB season. So, uh, yeah, certainly not the best, uh, you know, showing today from, from a both LJ's Red Sox and my Yankees. So uh, what do you say that we talk about it for at least a, a few minutes? Or we can just not talk about today. Yeah, I'd honestly rather not talk about it. However, we do kind of advertise this as every game of the MLB season every day. So this kind of has to be a forced one, but it sure will hurt. The Red Sox allowed a record eight home runs at Fenway today in their final game against Toronto of this series. I'm just going to read off who hit the homers I mean it was 18 runs I it's pointless to go through and figure out who put the order in because everyone's was just as important and not as not important as the next so we had two from Teoscar Hernandez 
then one from Guriel, one from Simeon, one from Bo Bichette, one from Kevin Biggio, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s 21st home run of the year. A home run I'm 90% sure finished off a of bingo bango Yahtzee. Uh, did he go three days in a row? I, I know he went yesterday. I feel like he did three games. Yes, bingo, bango, Yahtzee. 11th, 12th, wow. 13th. Uh, combined and had seven RBIs in this series against Boston. It was they, – they had no clue how to handle him. And I would have thought that they would have a better plan for this by now. I mean, you've been watching him tear the league apart all season. He's been in the league now. This is his third year. You've seen him enough. Um, figure yourself out. I mean, I know it's – yeah, again, this isn't even the first time they've played him. I know he's hot, but just pitch around him. He only walked three times this weekend. I think that's the strategy right now, at least until teams force him to cool down. You know what I mean? Like, in theory, if you if you pitch around a guy enough and don't give him good pitches to hit, yes, his numbers are still going to be good, but he's not going to have that same momentum a week from or a couple days from now if he's not seeing pitches. So, you know, if you just take the patient approach and not get burned by him in any way, shape, or form, would have been a smarter strategy. But the Red Sox will ultimately lose this one, eighteen to four. The win goes for Robbie Ray who went six innings, allowing three earned runs and 10 strikeouts. The loss will go to Martin Perez, his second blow-up start in a row after some really hot pitching going into that. He went one and a third, allowing five earned runs, no strikeouts, and three home runs. Uh, Quick shout-out to Ryan Weber. I didn't throw him in the PPP, but consider this an early PPP. You know... I don't care that he gave up 11 runs. This game was already looking like it was in the tubes to begin with. So, but it it takes it takes a good man to be able to go five and a third out of the bullpen, gets you all the way to the eighth inning after your starter goes out that early. I mean, Brandon, the Yankees were forced to do this yesterday, as I discussed on my own, with Jamison Tyone making it, I believe it was a third of an inning. You yeah, you know, you know uh, it, was, it was one out. Uh, yeah. Certainly not his, his greatest start. But we got to see Nasty Nestor, so. Nasty Nestor kind of shut people down. But either way, to get six, or basically six innings out of Ryan Weber – I don't care it was 11 earned runs. I don't care that it was four four home runs. I mean, I wasn't expecting great numbers from him, but at least to be able to get gotten out of that game without using a real major league reliever is one small victory going into next week. Yeah, you know, and speaking of, of a Vladdy and, you know, how you were saying that, He's he's just getting so many pitches to hit. I mean, I think the problem with him is that you look at the way that Toronto has their their lineup structured. They have Simeon hitting leadoff, which is gonna which that spot is gonna go right back to Springer when he comes back. Whenever he's coming back, that's gonna be his spot. 
Simeon has a over almost 900 OPS this year. Bo Bichette, who's hitting in front of Vladdy, has a over 820 OPS this year. And then hitting behind Vladdy is Teoscar Fernandez, who has a 830 OPS. My point being, he has so much protection around him in this lineup that he is stepping up to the plate and most of the time there's 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 runners on base so you have to pitch to him i mean that's that's the problem that that you run into is that when you have an offense that's that's this good as much as you want to pitch around guys like like vladdy sometimes you just can't and it sucks because especially for you know i i completely understand what you're going what what it's like to have to sit there and be like, oh my God, like, did we really have to walk the guy prior to Vladdy? Because like, if, if, if he steps up and there, there's a runner on base, you cannot just put him on first base. Like it, he is just, and he's, he's been too good this year to almost not do that. Like you're just in such a bad situation. This is going to sound like a Bonzian phrase. However, with the way he has been swinging it, over the last week going into this, and then how he ate the Red Sox alive, I'd rather walk in a run right now than the potential damage he could get, especially off a guy like Ryan Weber, where, again, not a real big league arm. That's actually another another question here, Brandon. How do you handle this? I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a tr- tricky situation as a manager to deal with Ryan Weber right now because he just did – the club such a service by eating those innings you obviously have to option him because he won't be usable for weeks and basically the only reason he was up was for similar reasons but like he did such a service to the team as a manager you have to find a way to show him the appreciation what 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 way could that possibly be it's a tough situation because, like, you know, it's a big week for you guys. Uh, you know, this is – we're getting into the meat of the season here where these are the games that if if you don't win them now, you're going to be sitting in September, uh, you know, uh, pretty much wishing that you did. And it's – you know – he does allow like 11 runs and 13 hits. Yes. Was the game out of, out of hand at the point when he came in like pretty much. Yeah. Uh, But four home runs just is tough. It's, it, it really is tough. And the Red Sox would certainly rather have this other bullpen spot be open uh, for the next few days rather than just having him sit in the, the bullpen after throwing 95 pitches and not being able to pitch for five days. So they're yeah, in a I mean, tough situation because the, the Yankees had the same thing happen to them earlier in the year when we had the Tiger series where we essentially punted the series and just pitched all of our guys who were who were going to be sent down the next day anyways. Yeah, no, I mean, the easiest decision you could ever make is to bring up the most real major leaguer 
that you don't have in this roster. Phillips Valdez should be ready to come back and pitch in these next day or so, or I mean, honestly, by tomorrow, it's been, I believe it'll be four days at this point when going into this um, next game against Toronto. So, I mean, it would be the obvious choice for him, him to come up, Weber to go down, but at least get him a stake, get my man a stake or something. Yeah, and also can can we talk about like I don't know, I feel like we're just realizing this now and it's surprising to me. LJ, the last couple of weeks the Red Sox have not been pitching well. Like just as a whole. I mean, I'm thinking about that that series that you have uh against Houston where you didn't pitch very well uh and Houston had your number uh, here's Martin Perez, another blow-up start from him. I mean, LJ, this was a rotation that was worse than the majors in 2020. We know that. And this offseason, really the only move that they made to change it, like they guess, yes, they knew that you were going to be getting back Ed, Eduardo Rodriguez and Evaldi, of course, but the only real move you guys make is signing Garrett Richards like is it surprising to me that that this or that this pitching staff hasn't been pitching the best as of late no because you guys didn't really do much to change it um yes yes we did I don't I I, Brandon as a person who didn't watch last year's team I'm not sure you fully understand the slop that was being put out on the mound to start games. If you had to watch a Zach, 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 Zach Godley start as a New York Yankee, you'd probably want to blow your brains out. This is a well more improved bullpen or not bullpen um, rotation. I'm not like, I'm not going to overstress the numbers because again, it's the same thing that I'm quickly not just because it doesn't favor my team great. I'm quickly starting to turn away from ever looking at run differential. Like I don't care because of games like this, like is, does a game that was pretty much over by the fourth inning. Does that, is that game really indicative? The rest of what happens in that game indicative of the talent of a team? No. No, and the problem with with run on differential is that if you have a good bullpen, it it it's just gonna skew your number no matter what. Uh, because if you're consistently, you know, not not getting shelled at the end in the back portion of games, you're gonna it's just it's just gonna be skewed. So that's why you can precisely. Kind of I think actually, yeah, I think actually this game, I might my math might be completely off here. There is a 21. Okay, so if you take this game out, there's three runs difference between Toronto and Boston. Like, that's that's that, that's really nothing from that standpoint. But my point being with that is there it's baseball. There's going to be blowouts throughout the season. And that's going to inflate guys' numbers. So I guess to get back to your point here, I was not expecting them to pitch lights out like they did all of April, all of May. However, I disagree that this is indicative of what this team is. Martin Perez 
is a guy who has always been a very streaky starter in the league ever since he was in Kansas City. He's going to have a really good stretches, and he's going to have some stretches that are not nearly don't look like the same pitcher. I have a feeling we might be getting into one of those slides. Nathan Eovaldi, another guy who his numbers are not nearly as like worrisome. Like his play is not nearly as worrisome as his numbers show. The four eleven it comes almost entirely from a couple of blowout blowout starts. So I'm not like unconfident in him. Eddie is a different story, but at the end of the day, I think Richards and Pavetta are still fine. I think you do have to respect what the the body of work that Nick Pavetta has had since he came to Boston, but you've seen it plenty of times with the Yankees this season. Teams go cold. Pitching staffs can go cold and it can look a little rough. And I would even say, I wouldn't count that, that first Houston series as being a rough, a rough patch for the pitching. Yes, they weren't pretty games. However, on the whole, with a couple exceptions, they, they were fine. What, seems to have worried what worries me what when I started to worry was that game against Miami after New York because they went in they took care of business in New York they pitched pitched pretty well you can't can't deny they pitched well in that series in you in the Bronx I mean everyone's pitched well against the Yankees like congrats uh you know no my point is I think overall it was like it felt different. Like there was a palpable change to like um, particularly Nick Pavetta in his energy, in his approach on the mound when he went out there against Miami. Again, it didn't end up being a disastrous start. They end up winning the game, but it was, it was messy the whole way. And so you could start to see that something was coming. I am not out of hope by any means with this team. I think this is a, 10 times better rotation than we had put out there last year. This last week is not indicative of what they will do later on. And I look forward to seeing what this is going to look like in a month or two, because overall, I mean, Eddie is the one I'm not fully concerned about Garrett Richards. I think will will even himself back out because he has been fantastic the majority of the year. Nick Pavetta has grown a lot in Boston. I think, again, as I said, he'll be fine. Martin Perez, you kind of just have to live with it. But then comes the big wrinkle here, which is the fact that everyone that has been out there, everyone who has looked at him is in awe of how good Chris Sale looks right now throwing the bullpen so far. He's still several he's still a sizable time frame from coming back, but that will certainly be a major upgrade when he does return in July-ish area to this team. That's going to be a major service for this rotation. You figure you pull one of those guys out, be it Eddie, be it Perez, and this rotation looks fine to me. Like, it's not great, but it's fine. Now, Brandon, I do have to ask because I haven't seen anything. Is there any update on Luis Severino? Uh, yes, he did get hurt during his rehab start. Yeah. 
the other day. Uh, yeah, it looked like he was he was grabbing at his groin. Yeah, with, that, that, that's about as far as we've gotten. So, is there was there any update today? No, uh, not that I saw. No, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're certainly you certainly watch the Red Sox a lot more closer than I do, and you seem to be pretty confident in this in this rotation to bounce back. I'm 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 just not sold. You know, I think that you guys did a honestly a piss poor job of setting up this rotation for this year. I mean, you had money to spend. There was a bunch of pitching out there that you that you could have went and got. Whether it be you, you act like we walk didn't walk go out and try to get it. We were we were quite literally in on all of them. We were in on Morton. We were in on Hill. We uh, were in I don't on- understand how you miss every single one though. Like that's that that's impossible to me. How well, how you can miss on every every single signing? I'm telling you the reports that happened there. I mean, obviously the bullpen was a bit more of a focus here but i don't i do not complain with this lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Return coming into this year. I think, of course, this this team looks a little different, too. If Eduardo Rodriguez looks how you expect him to look, if he looks more like his 2019, the l- latest data you had on him, then you're looking at maybe one spot that you're trying to fill here. Um, I'm not trying to say that Martin Perez is the best pitcher in the world, but I think that Nick Pavetta has given me enough to be interested in what he can give us a few years down the line. I think Garrett Richards has pitched fine enough. I'm not looking for this team, this starting pitching to be world beaters. It's not like I was expecting them to be a top five staff going into the year. Frankly, I'm pleasantly surprised. So on, you, on so the whole, you, so you think that you guys are actually going to pick up this ten million dollar option on on Garrett Richards after the year? You're gonna no, I'm worth, not. I'm, is he worth I, ten million dollars? I would not say that he's worth ten million dollars right now. However, he has pitched a lot better than I think a lot of people were giving him credit for with his early struggles, and he has been a arm that can go through <laughs> games. Yeah, you know, he's a spin rate guy. He's 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 consistently at the top of the the spin rate leaderboards. So he certainly has that going for him, but don't Again, I, it's not I, I'm not saying I don't stuff. Again, I'm not saying I don't want the Red Sox to win. I'm not rooting against them. I'm not saying I don't believe in this team. However, I think you also have to consider, regardless of record, expectations for this season are much lower for the Red Sox than they are for the Yankees. We can't, yeah. I mean, we, we can't deny that. This team was expected to be a fringe playoff team, probably outside looking in when you came into this, which is much better than the garbage can of a team that they put out there last year. This is a step on 
on the way towards being a competitive team. Again, you've got a lot of good pieces here. You've picked up more this year. So I'm not asking, I'm not demanding that this rotation be a World Series contender rotation. This isn't the Sale, Price, Ivaldi, Rodriguez show we had a couple of years ago. This is a building block piece of which has pleasantly surprised me and is giving us stuff that will be serviceable this not only serviceable this year to keep a competitive roster out there deep into this season, but it will make the team more competitive later on. Well, let's talk about the Yankees now. Uh, they play game two of two in Philadelphia. And not a good start for Domingo Herman. exactly a week after making the start on Sunday Night Baseball and pitching extremely well. Uh, he allows four runs in the first two innings. JT Real Muto RBI single, Odubel Herrera RBI double, and then Gene Segura with a two RBI single. It's, five, it's four nothing after two innings. Bottom five. Real Muto comes through again with an RBI single. And then Andrew McCutcheon with a two RBI double. It's seven, nothing Phillies. And that would be your final. Aaron Nola goes seven and two thirds, allowing three hits, no runs and nine strikeouts. Completely uh, dominated every single at bat today. Just, just, just watching him pitch and, and watching the Yankees approach at the plate today. Uh, I only had to watch a couple at-bats to know that we were not touching him today. Uh, it was very early into the game that I was, I was able to, to figure that out. The loss goes to Domingo Herman, now 4-4 four and four on the year. 4-3, and a third, 10 hits, 7 runs. Uh, yeah, not a great showing from the Bronx Bombers this weekend. Uh, they, they suffer a two-game sweep by the Phillies. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton only pinch hits in one of the games, which I don't get because we had an off day Friday and you're not playing in, in, in any of the games. You're not playing in the field. And all you did on Saturday was pinch hit. And then you walk back to the dugout. And then today you couldn't even pinch hit. Uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm confused as to the Yankees' logic behind that, especially because we have another off day tomorrow. We literally had an off day Friday, two games, and then off day Monday. Like, that never happens. When do you have two off days and four games? And we're still resting Judge today. And we're hitting Odor in the freaking three spot. Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela and Glaber Torres have been mashing the ball lately. And we still insist on putting Rugnet Odor in the number three spot because the Yankees are obsessed with putting a left-handed bat early on in the lineup. Makes absolutely zero sense to put a guy hitting 198 third when you have someone like Andujar or Gary Sanchez or Gio Urshela who you can slide into that spot. Makes no sense. This guy's been one of the worst hitters in the entire league let alone our team, we're hitting him third. Like, are you kidding me? We're facing Aaron Nola. We're not facing 
some kid who just got called up from AAA. We're facing a guy who had a 10-war season just a few seasons ago. He put up 10 war. Mike Trout doesn't even do that. Like Trout is Trout sits in the high nines usually. This guy had a 10 war season, and we're just the the entire approach to this organization is just so wrong. It is gross how badly this 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 roster is constructed. It's just same stuff. And you and and all the Yankees problems started once Boone became manager. The 2017 team, find me how, show me how that offense is is worse than than this year's team. Because it's not. It's not. That offense is way better. It is way better, and everyone knows it. Judge's rookie year was the last chance the Yankees had to win a championship, and that is so sad that we had basically a two-year window, 17 and 18, I guess I'll count 19, but the Astros were the much better team that year. This is, we're just completely ruining the championship window here. And now we have two weeks to show Cashman whether or not we're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. And, you know, LJ, there's not even anything for us to be talking about. It's, 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 it's the same thing every game. Like, what else is there? Like, what other point am I going to be able to make? The bullpen's good. The starting pitching has been good. Like, yes, it was a bad start today, but you can't win if you don't score. That you just can't. That's impossible. They've scored the 26th most runs in the league. I don't care. We have a top 15 OPS, top 10 on base percentage. I don't care. We have the 10th most home runs. The worst base running team in the league, the worst defensive team in the league. It's the fundamentals. And yes, you can you can come up with the whole oh Boone is a puppet argument, which you know I've been I've been going with, and it is true. But at some point you have to learn, or at some point, the manager is responsible for something. And that something is fundamental baseball. Like, how does it feel if you're a manager and you're watching your team every day? just give lifeless at-bats and get thrown out on the bases and drop routine catches and just have to hold your breath with every single play that's not routine. Like, that, this is fundamental baseball that the Yankees can't play. I just I, – I don't get it. And at some point, it has to go back on the manager in the front office. I think you're – Hitting on the right point here, of course, that in a way the puppet excuse isn't excuse isn't an excuse, and in my opinion, the only reason it's not an excuse is because there's no direct spot to lead. Like there's no other singular person to blame. He is the front man for all of the decision making there. It's not like you can change anything else and still have Boom be exactly the same and make this significant. So even if he's not in control, he's as much at fault for this. Um, not trying to throw salt in the wound, just another very scary thing here as you talk about not, not scoring and really being in a situation where this is the middle of June and you are a game above 500 is 
taking a quick look at what you've got next because oh it's I, it's not good like it's it, not good it's not because if i if i am the yankees i'm not saying that these aren't winnable i mean again you have you have some guys who can give you good starts but the next couple matchups we have jordan montgomery versus hinjin ryu now hinjin ryu has been cold of late with that being said there's no doubt that he's the better pitcher there yankees and, have uh, struggled with Toronto this year. Uh, if you Toronto. remember back to opening day, Yankees uh, lose to Hyunjin Ryu. Only run they score was on a Gary Sanchez homer. Yeah, honestly, it feels like everyone in division is struggling with the Blue Jays with the exception of the Rays. Even Tyler Chatwood is struggling with the Blue Jays. <laughs> Tyler um, Chatwood's been really good, actually, this year. Tyler Chatwood, again, another guy that number sample size doesn't even tell the full story. Like, numbers won't tell you as much as I test can because his numbers, as you say here, I'm trying to pull them up real quick. Yeah, I mean, he's up at a five, but you're right. He has been a, a, a sol- solid piece in their bullpen, but – you have these blow-up outings. You have the one against Tampa. You have the one against Boston, which really make a huge difference to what your numbers look like, but aren't usually a rep- accurate representation of what you've got there. But anyway, as I was saying, you've got Montgomery versus Ryu. Then you've got Cole versus Stripling, the one that I think is the most winnable of all the ones I'm going to list here. Then you've got Michael King against Steven Matz, who looks to be heating up again. And then on Friday, you've got Jamison Tyone, who's fresh off a one-third of an inning outing, versus James Caprillion, one of the best, one of the better young pitchers in the American League. It, the, off, the offense, if, if, if something doesn't magically change, I'm not sure that the offense will be able to push them past these teams enough to keep them above water yeah if we don't take at least one like realistically to keep the season alive and to stay contenders at the deadline so we have three versus toronto three versus oakland two versus kansas city out of those eight games five need to be wins it, yeah. it just has to be because if we are at June 23rd after concluding that second game with Kansas City and we're four and four in our next eight, so that means, that means we'd be at 30, 37 and 36 at that point. Like, you can be excited that you're, we're above 500. I don't know who is right now, but you can think, oh, well, we're above 500. Yeah, you know what? The AL East is really good this year. And just because you're above 500 doesn't mean anything. Like, it's you so could, top heavy that you. You could get buried to- so quickly. Again, as, as we said, it's in a, such a streaky game, too. Any one of those teams could get hot the week, weeks that they're playing you, a couple, a couple string together, and you could get buried so quick if you're one game over. Yeah, it's just. And Not you know, a good day to be a fan of 
either the Yankees or the Red Sox. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this one is kind of kick, kick to the crotch. But I mean, that's the one thing I will I will say. You know, I don't usually say I feel bad for you, but there is a big difference between these two teams, and it's not anything on the field as much as where you are in the process. Like, I mean, that's one of the best things about I'm not always a, in agreement with the American model of professional sports, but that's one of my favorite, one of the best parts about it is the fact that there are ebbs and flows to this. And theoretically with the way that the games are managed from a front office perspective and all, you cannot sustain consistent success. You can't be a top five team for 15 years consistent with consistency. With that, so that means that there is usually a process. You flow from the bottom, and then you work your way back up. You stay up there for a minute, and then you fall back down until you're ready to bring back up. Each team has a championship window. Each team has a process to getting there. And the difference here is the 39 and 27 Red Sox are coming off of one of the worst seasons in the last decade of the team if not last two decades, yeah, probably last two decades of the team, I think them and the 2014 or 2015 team would be the only arguments for a worse year. So you're coming off of rock bottom and you're building your way and building a, a deep team. You're building a talented team to get to that point where you want to be. The Yankees have been at that point where you want to be for a number of years. The expectations here are completely different. The step of the process is completely different, even if the talent of the team and the performance of the team says otherwise. That's why there's more stakes on the Yankees season right now than Boston's. Well, yeah, and it's because the Yankees thought that this was their championship window. And, you know, this is a team, you know, LJ, you say that it's hard to stay consistently good for for 15 years this is a franchise the Yankees that hasn't had a losing season since 1992 and we're in serious like jeopardy of of a breaking that streak I mean LJ some of these teams from the 2013-2014 Yankees I mean you look at some of these players who were in the starting lineup like, how are these teams winning 80 games with Brian Roberts, Yang Hervis, Salarte? I, I mean, a late-stage Ichiro who's 40 years old. Like, these are guys in our lineup. That. A 40-year-old Derek Jeter. A, like, there's just – Kelly Johnson was, like, our, our utility infielder. And these are teams that are winning 80-something games with Joe Girardi at the helm. If – you give Aaron Boone that squad, oh, dude. If 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 they win seventy games, I mean, I, I'm impressed. But yeah, it's 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 enough uh, Yanks Red Sox talk for for the day. Yeah, let's get into this Nationals Giants matchup here. And once again, he has somehow managed to do everything but a bingo bango Yahtzee of some form here, and that's quite. Kyle, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber once again batting leadoff for the Washington Nationals. And once again, he goes yard, sending his 11th home run of the season to center field. 
He comes back at it again in the bottom of the second, this time with a three-run blast, his 12th of the year. Starling Castro hits an RBI double in the bottom of the fifth to score one more for Washington. That's all she wrote as the Nationals beat the Giants 5-0. Give the win to Joe Ross of the Washington Nationals. He went eight innings, allowing five hits, no earned runs, and nine strikeouts. The loss will go to Johnny Cueto. He went five and a third, allowing four earned runs into two strikeouts in this matchup. Next, we have the Cardinals and the Cubs here in a National League Central Division matchup. I can't seem to find it. There it is. Sunday Night Baseball. Sunday Night Baseball, of course. You know, you got to have these rivalry games put in there, and scoring only really comes once in this game. Kind of uneventful here as there's only six total hits in this one. In the bottom of the third, Jock Peterson is able to drive in a run on a Paul DeYoung error. And then Anthony Rizzo hits an RBI single later that inning to make this 2-0 Chicago. That will be your final. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Give the win to Zach Davies. He went six and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two hits, no earned runs, and six strikeouts. The loss will go to Carlos Martinez. He went seven innings, allowing four hits, two runs, none earned, and six strikeouts. The save goes to Craig Kimbrell, his 18th of the year. Fantastic. Uh, can I make a point real quick about ESPN? Yes. Uh, look, I get that on, on a Sunday night baseball, you want to showcase the, the biggest brands in the sport. Cause it's your one chance to get some national exposure during the, the regular season, but they, they've have the Cubs been on like, what's this their fourth game on, on a Sunday night baseball. Like they've had, they've had so many different games that they've been uh, nationally televised for. And not only were they on Sunday night baseball tonight, but tomorrow night, they're also going to be on ESPN. I don't know. I think that they could have flexed a different game in for this. I mean, Padres Mets would, would have been a good game because you had Stroman or no, who pitched yesterday for the Mets, Uh, Joey Lucchese. Uh, I think that San Francisco and Washington would have been a good game to flex in. 
uh, I don't know. I just feel like ESPN has a hard on for the Cubs. You know, this is, I mean, it's going to be back to back nights tonight that they're nationally televised. I think they've had four Sunday night games already. And I think this was the ninth or 10th game that they've had. I think nine, maybe. It's just, I mean, I get that it's the Cubs, but I mean, do like people forget that they were bad for like a number of years in a row where like no one cared about them really? I mean, you're right. And I'm going to bring something else up that I don't think I don't have, of course, the numbers here, but I have a feeling that the number of games the Cubs have been on for ESPN this year is not is nothing compared to the amount of games the Braves have been on, <laughs> including at least one Braves Cubs matchup. Yeah, so let's see. So there was a Braves Cubs matchup, then there was Braves Phillies where Reese Hoskins has that home run, and then it's like, oh, but it wasn't a home run. Uh no, then there was also the Braves Phillies that uh oh the play had, the plate. Yeah, play the plate, yep. And it was like the second week of the season. You know, I mean, I it's interesting because th- this is, without a doubt, the ESPN games are the highest profile games of this of the week. With that being said, is this really like the best we're getting? I mean, again, I know you want to cover the big markets, the big names, but you're right. There are better stories out there at times than the Cubs, than the Braves, but that's all they want. And honestly, it kind of feels to me, when you mention it, it feels a little disrespectful towards baseball because this is the type of thing you do, maybe not with hockey. I mean, yeah, hockey. I'm trying to think of another sport that they do this with on an ESPN or a CBS where basically they dumb it down to the point where like the games that they take aren't like the best matchup as much as it is like the two most known teams. Like if the, if two people like they're worried that people aren't going to tune in if they don't know they're looking for the mass team. appeal. Yeah. But like, I'm sorry, this has been America's pastime for how long anyone who's going to turn on a baseball game would know Mets Padres. They'd know the giants. They, there's a number of games you could have put in here that have teams that people would know because so many of these teams, particularly National League teams, have a very rich history. So, yeah, it's just sloppy. It's a little disrespectful to the game if they're going to just dumb it down and make sure it's teams people know and make, make that ooh-wow factor because the baseball-watching audience at this point isn't somebody who's just going to randomly turn on a game that that's that gets saved till the playoffs well yeah and like especially in you know this world today where there's a thousand tv channels that you know you can turn on at at any point it's not like the old days where oh this is the big feature college football game on abc on saturday and there's only you know 20 channels on my tv so like yeah, like you're 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 gonna get the the casual viewer to have it on. I feel like today you only put on something on your TV like if you're interested in watching it. It's like you don't just 
have on a channel just to have it on, I feel like. And my point is like, yes, I get that you're going for the mass appeal here by by picking the Cardinals and Cubs because it is a a rivalry that has been, you know, hotly contested or whatever you want to say over the past however many years. But the people that are tuning in to watch Sunday Night Baseball are probably pretty big fans of the sport. Like, if you're tuning in to watch it, like, you – I would say that you that you uh, follow the sport pretty closely. So, would it really hurt to get some of these other matchups in there? Like, I don't know. I just feel like San Francisco and Washington – there's a lot of stuff to talk about there. There's a lot of young guys on the, on the Nats that you can talk about. And the Giants have been really good. So it's just like, you know, you just got to pick your battles, I guess. It's And it's, again, it's not like you're putting Washington, Arizona out there. First off, did, also, did you see the City Connects jerseys? For Arizona? Yeah, the, the uh, snake ones? Yes. Ooh, not, they are very... Very nice. If you haven't looked them up, Very Arizona cool. has a fresh City Connect jersey coming out. Kind of has a cursive design to be like a snake on it. it. It looks pretty cool. But yeah, it's not like it's Arizona in Washington. It's not two smaller markets that no one really cares about. No one really knows who they are. They don't have this crazy history under their name and that name recognition there are more teams out there than the game than these people that are making the scheduling and doing the broadcasts are willing to admit have backing well uh let's keep running through these games here as we are now over 40 minutes into the show we've done four games yeah, so let's uh run through the rest of them here. Uh, Orioles raise. Baltimore gets on the board first with a Pat Valeka RBI single. That would be one of two hits that the Orioles would have all day. Bottom three, Yandy Diaz puts Tampa on the board with an RBI single. We're tied at one. Bottom fourth, Taylor Walls with his own RBI single uh, that plates two. Tampa takes a 3-1 lead. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Randy Arena grand slam, his eighth homer of the year, makes it 7-1 Tampa, and that's your final. Josh Fleming gets the follower role today, goes four innings, allowing no hits, no runs, and three strikeouts, gets the win. The loss to Bruce Zimmerman. The lefty goes five and two thirds, six hits, three earned, three walks, and three strikeouts. Next up, we got the Braves and the Marlins. The Braves got scoring started in the top of the first when Austin Riley is able to drive an RBI single in for two runs. And then Guillermo Heredia gets hit by a pitch with the bases loaded to make this a three nothing game. The Braves got home runs from Austin Riley and Ender Inciarte in this game, plus a little more to be able to beat the Marlins 6-4. to four. Give the win to Drew Smiley. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss goes to Pablo Lopez, who went three innings, 
allowing six hits, four earned runs, and two strikeouts. The save goes to Will Smith, his 12th of the year. All right, White Sox and Tigers. Uh, in this one, the scoring would open up in the top of the fourth with a Jose Abreu RBI single. Top five, Liori Garcia extends the lead for Chicago. Two nothing with an RBI double. Then the White Sox get a bases loaded hit by pitch and then a bases loaded walk on consecutive at-bats to score two runs, take a 4 nothing lead. The Tigers manage one run late in the game, and that is it. The White Sox win at 4-1. to one. The win to Carlos Rodon, seven innings, one hit, one earned, uh, nine Ks for him. Now six and two on the year. Season ERA dips down to 1.89. The loss goes to Tyler Alexander for the Tigers, two and a third, four hits, two earned runs. And the save to Liam Hendricks, his 17th on the season. The Reds are able to carry on their little hot streak here with scoring that started for them in the bottom of the second with Joey Votto, RBI, and then a Eugenio Suarez two-run piece. Ryan McMahon sends a solo homer to center field to add on to a Charlie Blackman RBI and make this a 3-2 game. But then in the bottom of the seventh, Jesse Winker drove in a run, and then Tyler Naquin hit a sack fly to make this a 6-2 final ballgame in favor of the Cincinnati Reds. Give the win to Hendricks out of the Cincinnati bullpen. Uh, Santillon went four and two-thirds in this game, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts for Cincinnati. The loss goes to Antonio Senzatella. He went six innings, allowing five earned runs and four strikeouts for Colorado. All right, uh, on to the Mariners and the Indians. Seattle puts up five runs in the first four innings, thanks to singles from Jose Godoy and J.P. Crawford, and then homers from Kyle Seeger and Jake Fraley. Ahmed Rosario singles to put the Indians on the board in the sixth inning, uh, but it would not be enough. Seattle walks away with a 6-2 to two win in this one. Uh, behind a great start from Logan Gilbert, now 2-2 two and two, uh, on the year and in his career, 6-2 and two thirds, four hits, one earned run, and six strikeouts, and he outduels Shane Bieber who goes five and two-thirds, allowing 10 hits, five earned, striking out eight. LJ, for as, as many starts as it seems like that he's had that have not been good, the ERA is still at 3.28. So he's, he's just quietly, like quietly, but also not quietly putting together a solid year. Just like kind of, I don't know. It's, it, it's a tough year for Shane Bieber, especially with, not a lot of offensive support behind him. Yeah, you take what you can get. And I don't think anyone, with that being said, I mean, he, you have a 3-2 whatever ERA right now, but everyone knows that he's 
an elite pitcher in this league. It's not like he's fighting for that status anymore. So part of that pressure being off may, may be attributing to that. But overall, I think that's certainly a comfort for him knowing that his repute should be a comfort to him, knowing his reputation is safe, even if the personal success and the team success isn't coming. Uh, we got the Padres and the Mets, right? Yep. Got a little lost there. All right, Padres-Mets starts with a Tommy Pham home run in the top of the first. This is only bested by a Jose Peraza two-run piece in the bottom of the fifth, but then the run for San Diego starts. Tommy Pham is able to walk in in this top of the seventh. This sets the table for a Fernando Tatis Grand Salami, 444 feet to both take the lead in this game as well as take the lead in the NL home run race with 19 homers. Manny Machado also went yard here, his ninth of the year. Thomas Nito is able to drive in one more run, but this ends up a 7-3 to win in favor of the San Diego Padres. Give the win to Chris Paddock. He went six innings, allowing two earned runs and nine strikeouts. The loss will go to Yuri's Familia. Um, he went one and two-thirds, allowing four earned runs and two strikeouts. After Joey Lucchese went five innings, allowing one earned run. All right. The Astros and the Twins. This one was not competitive uh, whatsoever. Houston gets on the board, though, in the first, and it's only one nothing thanks to Alex Bregman's sack fly. And then Kyle Tucker makes it 3 nothing in the fourth with a two-run bomb. From here on out, Houston pours it on, scoring uh, at least two runs in every inning from the fourth through the eighth, and they got one in the ninth as well. So they score in every single inning except for the second and third in this one. Uh, you know, they get home runs from Jordan Alvarez, Chaz McCormick. They get RBI doubles from Michael Brantley, Carlos Correa, uh, and just a lot of hits here. They collect 20 hits in the game, and the Astros win 14-3. to The Twins do get runs off of homers by Nelson Cruz and Ryan Jeffers, but nonetheless, the Astros... 20 hits, 14 runs, and a 14-3 to win. That goes to Framber Valdez, who was very good for Houston today. Seven innings, one earned run, two strikeouts, the season ERA at 1.42. He has now thrown over 25 innings on the season now. So uh, starting to get a bit of a sample size for, for Framber, who uh, has been exceptional. The loss to Michael Pineda, uh, four innings, six hits, three earned. The the bulk of the runs came off of this uh, Twins bullpen today. Uh, just not a great day for Twins pitchers. Including MLB Daily Trivia answer, Randy Dobnak, two innings, seven hits, six earned. Um. Uh, that'll be a little freebie for you. So the weekend contest still goes till tomorrow. 
So yeah, you know, but that 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 question has been out there for quite a while now. So I yeah, was, if anyone can't figure out the former Uber driver Randy Dobnak is the worst reliever in the league and is the answer to the trivia question, you've got yeah. to figure fish to fry. If you want to copy everyone else's answer, please do. Free. Yeah, feel free. We've got, I think we're at 14 separate people on this board already. <laughs> we're trying to, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, I think at some point in order to keep people from getting way too small, we're going to have to cut people from the um, post that is tweeted, but everybody will still be counted. Oh, as- come on. We can't have like a Stanley Cup where like everyone's name gets on the trophy. Everyone's name gets on the trophy. Brandon, do you know how tiny that would have to be? long term if we're going to pull this off yeah we'd have to make it 0.5 font size you have to use a magnifying glass to read it (laughs) but hey i mean you know what you gotta play because at this point brandon i believe we were discussing the two of us making it so this contest is going to expand to five winners the top five being winners with some level some varying level of um gift or not gift but um prize of course the top will be for the top recipient who's currently the bat flip bat flip podcast but i mean we've got so far going looking at the top five our top five right now sits at seven points and not every single one of them has been playing every day some of them miss it sometimes times they get the question wrong so definitely get in there and try to work work your way up the leaderboard. Consistent posting and consistent attempt will earn you, and you can certainly dive right into the midst of the top group here if you work it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. All right, next up we got Pirates Brewers. And a quick shout out to a man that I had my eye on going into the year, but just did not have the time here. And that is Daniel Vogelback, who hits an RBI double in the bottom of the first. That's his seventh double of the year with Travis Shaw now have, looking to be out for the long term for this Brewers team. Expect Vogelback not only to get at bats, but to put together productive at bats. I mean, here they have him hitting in the two hole right now. Granted, he's a two, two, one average. He's never been one to hit for that average, but still a 743 OPS. And he really hasn't even gotten into the swing of things. I don't think 
being every day, being able to get those consistent at-bats. So keep an eye out on him if you're a fantasy manager. Again, I will say keep uh, keep an eye out on him if you're the rest of the league because he could get pretty hot soon. Anyway, we get from here in. The Pirates get on a little run here in the middle of this game. Top of the second, Kevin Newman drives in the tying run, and then a Jacob Stallings home run puts them up in the top of the sixth. But the bottom of the sixth on is nothing but Milwaukee as Luis Urias drives in a run with a triple, and then Avisel Garcia home run gives them the lead before Christian Yelich drives in one more to make this a 5-2 Brewers win. Give the win to Brent Suter. He came out of the bullpen to throw a third of an inning. He walked two batters, but still got out of it unscathed. Adrian Hauser started this game going five and two-thirds, allowing seven hits, two earned runs, and two strikeouts. The loss will go to Bednar of the Pittsburgh bullpen, who went an inning allowing the last uh, two earned runs for them in that bottom of the sixth. All right. Uh, It is me with the Royals and the A's. Uh, These teams traded runs in the first three innings back and forth. Uh, Matt Chapman with a solo homer to open it up for Oakland. It's one nothing. Then Kansas City gets on the board with a Nicky Lopez RBI single, and we're tied at one after two innings. Actually, no, because in the bottom of the second, Elvis Andrus with an RBI double, and then Mark Canna with an RBI single, and it's 3-1 Oakland after two innings. Excuse me. Top three, Andrew Benintendi uncorks his eighth home run of the year. Uh, Kansas City pulls within one run. But then Matt Olson in the bottom of the third and bottom of the fifth hits his 17th and 18th homers of the season to extend the Oakland lead to 5-2. to two. Mark Canna then doubles and it's 6-2. And a Carlos Santana home run late makes it 6-3, but not enough for Kansas City as they drop this one. Chris Bassett, who had the start for Oakland today, gets the win, and he's now 7-2 and two on the year. Five and two-thirds, five hits, two earned, five strikeouts. The loss goes to Chris Bubich, four and two-thirds, seven hits, five earned runs. Lou Trevino with his 10th save on the season. All right, next up we got the Angels and the Diamondbacks. Brandon, you're starting to get me to believe with these guys. The Angels get a Max Stassi homer in the top of the first, and then the top of the second saw a four runs come across the board with RBIs from David Fletcher, Justin Upton, and Jared Walsh. Arizona does get on the board in the middle innings. However, four runs between the sixth and eighth inning put this one away, and the Angels win 10-3. to Give the win to Patrick Sandoval. He went six innings, allowing two earned runs and four strikeouts. The loss will go to Duplantier of Arizona, who had an inning and a third as the opener, allowing six earned runs. Yeah, I mean, in just more on this Angels team, they're now finally brought themselves back above 500. The pitching has been 
good over the past week or two, or at least like usable. <laughs> well, you know, they they beat Arizona, who has now lost 10 in a row. I mean, it, it's worse than that, actually, if you look at our horses. Yeah. No, but like before that, even they were pitching fine. Like they were in the hole big time a couple of weeks ago to the point where we were, we were calling for a full on fire sale. So, I mean, this is a huge improvement to this team. And again, I would like to think that this is a sort of opposite thing from what the Red Sox have seen over these past couple of months where, um, are seeing right now as you were talking about where this is a terrible, terrible rotation still. But with that being said, they are hot right now, which puts them slightly below average as opposed to the Red Sox who have a slightly above average rotation that is now cold and going to be absolutely rough. So, you know, maybe this is just going to be a flash in the pan and they won't be able to be in a, decent position when trout comes back i mean really that's all about all what it's about if you're still in a competitive able to keep this team competitive when mike trout comes back then you've got a shot at the wild card i think this year if of course things go well i mean you'd you'd have to ask two of currently you'd have to ask two of the al east teams to fall fall back or one of your own division teams, which is probably the easier route, and one of the Red Sox or the Blue Jays. And, of course, the Yankees are not out of it either. I mean, they're right now you're looking at the Angels and Yankees in the same situation, asking other teams to fall back in the pack a bit. But they're certainly by no means this – is, this isn't like a foregone conclusion. No. Now, it, looked, it looked a lot grimmer a week or two ago. Yeah, I mean – Look, the AL West, sure, I think Houston is really good, and I think Oakland's really good, but they certainly – it's not the uh, – I, I think that you can find much stronger teams in the, the National League. Uh, and the Angels are only four games out of a wild-card spot right now, which is – very close to be it at this point in the season. I mean, if you're within four games of like a month left in the year, you're feeling like somewhat okay. So, I mean, look, they won six in a row. We we know what the offense can do. Uh, we certainly are starting to see what potentially the, the, the pitching staff could do. And, you know – we're just going to have to see. I mean, there's really not much more you can say than that. This is just, we're going to have to wait and see. Are they going to remain competitive? Like, are they going to give Trout a chance at least? Like, that's that's all that they ask. And I'm sure Trout is happy to see them a winning right now, even when he's not there. Like, because then if you're, if you're on a winning streak and then you get back your guy, like the the amount of confidence that you just have, it's like okay, look at we're able to win without him, and now we're and, and now we're uh, getting back potentially the best baseball player ever. So they could be in a really good situation here should everything uh, play out right for them. 
Yeah, let's get into this Dodgers-Rangers game here, which will easily push us into the PPP as this game starts out with some scoring for the Dodgers early coming back after that rough, rough yesterday. Bottom of the first, Gavin Lux drives in Mookie Betts, and then they come back around in the bottom of the third as Mookie Betts goes yard to make this a 2-0 game. Zach McKinstry later doubles to score two runs, and then Matt, the RBI, B, RBI man, BD, sends in the their final run of the game to make it a 5-0 game. The top of the ninth saw Texas almost take this game back as they score three runs, but Kenley Jansen shuts them back down. The Dodgers win 5-3. Give the win to Walker Bueller, who went six innings, allowing five hits, three walks, five strikeouts, and no earned runs. This now drops his ERA to 2.38. The loss will go to Dane Dunning, who went four innings, allowing seven hits, four earned runs, and five strikeouts. The save goes to Kenley Jansen, his 15th save of the year. This directly will run into the PPP as I would like to talk about Walker Bueller, who I am ready to declare statistically is the best pitcher on his team, is fourth in NL Cy Young right now. I mean, I know we're not doing awards today, but if you had to put, if you had to extend that far, he's got to be close in top five, right? Uh... Do you take him over Bauer? I don't know. Walker Bueller has been very good this year. Uh, I don't know if his stats have shown that, or if his, you know, stat cast stuff shows that he should be at a 2.38 ERA. Uh, it shows he's been good. I don't think that he's been as good as Trevor Bauer has this year. I mean, Trevor Bauer, you know, we know that he's been he's been using some sort of substance this year. And whether or not his his numbers are about to fall off a cliff within the next couple of months, you know, I don't know. But I know that they're both outstanding pitchers. Uh, and that's a really, you know, if, if you're the Dodgers right now, I mean, I just can't imagine what it's like to be in that situation with, Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer. It's just like, like, that's not fair. Like, to have that as your top three pitchers, like, oh, like, it's okay. Because in a seven game series, just thinking this, it's going to be brutal. Like, if, if the, the Dodgers get knocked out, like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't wait to see that in action in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, I need this to happen. It's not, it's not without a doubt he needs to at least be in the top five my top five right now and I hope he continues to climb and somebody falls back to the pack so he at least has a shot at this I don't know why as soon as Trevor Bauer went there it might be just because I have liked Walker Bueller since he came into the league but I desperately want to see another team with three Cy Young winners it hasn't happened since 2013-14 Detroit, right? Well, well, they have three if you count Price. 
Oh yeah, four then. Yeah, four. No, they had. Oh, I'm sorry, four Cy Young winners, right? Yes, because they, Detroit, because Detroit had Scherzer, Verlander, Price, and, and Porcello. Yeah. So we're looking for another four. I'm sorry, but still, if he wins, if he wins, and there's no doubt. He's talented enough that at some point here he could win that one and make it for a four-teamer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a kid who was a first-round pick out of Vanderbilt and is only is only 26 years old. And from what we've seen, I mean, he throws five pitches pretty consistently. He has Cy Young type stuff, and he's 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 going to get it at some point uh, as for top five this year. I mean, yeah, maybe you have to throw both Burns and, and Woodruff in there behind Jacob DeGrom. So there's three already right, right now off the top of my head, I'm putting it. And then DeGrom, Gosman, um, Woodruff, Burns, Bueller. I, th- I would probably go. DeGrom, Woodruff, Gosman, Burns. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, Zach, Zach Wheeler. Uh, mm. He's been better than Walker Bueller this year. Uh, my guy for the PPP is Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, this guy is such an underrated player. I mean – Look at what he did in 2020. I think that's why people, like, you know, weren't talking about him much. Like, yes, he had a fantastic 2020, but it's like, can this guy keep doing it over the next season? And absolutely he can. I mean, he, in terms of expected uh, weighted on base average, expected batting average, uh, hard hit percentage, this guy is in the top. 20 percentile in pretty much all of these uh, categories, not to mention a top 10 percentile in sprint speed and just a really solid hitter that Toronto can stick right behind Vladdy and just just be confident in this guy. I mean, he's hitting 294 this year, a 343 on base percentage. Like I mentioned earlier, an 830 OPS. The fact that you have an 830 OPS guy hitting fourth in your lineup says something and the fact that he's going to be hitting fifth once George Springer comes back is all the more impressive I mean this Toronto lineup just depth wise has so many guys and that's part of the reason why they have 20 hits and hit eight home runs today there's just it's just every guy in the the lineup opposes some sort of threat and that's that's what makes these teams scary. All right, the next guy I've got here is Michael Brantley, who in a offensive outpouring by Houston was clearly the main public master there. He gets four of the 20 hits. You know, you don't really think you don't think that much of those four hit games when they happen and it's just a normal day, but then you put it into perspective what the percentage is. I mean, this is one of the best days you can have. If you're an offense, getting 20 hits isn't something you're going to do every day. This guy's four-hit game accounts for 
that's yeah 25 percent of it ish not even 25 percent of the hits the team had in that day and then you think about the fact that when a guy gets a four hit game like putting that into perspective with like a 10 hit game that's almost half of your team's hits off half your team's significant offensive production is coming out of one man it it makes it just makes you think yeah uh it does make you think and i would be interested to see how far could one player carry one team i think uh, randy Rosarena was like it was it was crazy what what he was doing for tampa bay in the playoffs because it actually felt like he was their only good hitter for a couple games. Mm. Oh, you're right. My, I have one for the not PPP. Uh, Colorado on the road. You know, we have been talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks. And what is it? They It's still an active streak. 19 games in a row that they've yes. on the road. Well, Colorado on the season – is five and 27 on the road. Uh, LJ, last time I checked, that's not, it's not ideal. No, no bueno. Five, five out of 27, uh, or five out of 32, actually, five and 27, I should say. Uh, yeah, the combined record between the Rockies and the Diamondbacks on the road, they sit, at let's see if i can do this math real quick 14 and 54 on the road this year between the two nl west bottom feeders yeah i believe that'll be all we have for today yes that is uh thank you for listening once again to the mlb daily podcast thank or make sure you check us out on twitter at mlb daily pod uh, participate in our trivia game, potentially win some cool stuff at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, check us out at MLB Daily Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karam. And LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora. Thank you guys for listening once again. And we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a this holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.